Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning! And... Are you happy, joyous, and free? Well, you could be. We live in a world of natural abundance where everybody could have all the food they need and all the sustenance they need. Um, And we could live in a world of harmony and kindness and compassion. Um, We don't. And there's a few things that we can do to change that. And what we're talking about here today is changing that. All we need to do is make slight shifts in our lifestyle and we can evolve as a human species to a higher plane of living where we don't have to kill to survive, where it's not either I live or you die, where we can both live beautifully. And we have some incredible, incredible guests today. I want to say we were all covering the climate strikes, the one that happened here in L.A., uh, the one that happened in New York. They're happening all over the place. Greta Thunberg Thunberg is the center of it, and we love her. And um, what we're coming from is a position of we are also animal activists. We are also um, uh, environmentalists. We care about the earth. We care about mother nature. We care about the animals. We care about starving children. And uh, before we get to the guests, I want to say a couple of things. And uh, this is really important. So um, let me say this. Uh, We've, or I've been accused of being very sort of radical. Um, Somebody even said that they saw me or had video of me uh, pushing or pulling someone. Uh, I want to say that I don't remember that happening. But if it did, I apologize. Um, At the climate strike in late September, it was hours and hours and hours where we were standing in the hot sun holding signs like this. Um, Might I have jostled somebody? It's quite possible. If I did, I apologize. If there's video of that, I'd really like to see it. Send it to Jane at JaneUnchained.com. I'm a work in progress. I want to learn. I want to grow. So let's put that aside then. We are about nonviolence. We are about creating a world of normalized nonviolence. Now, the climate strike movement has been emphasizing fossil fuels, which is, you know, gas, uh, gasoline, coal. Those of us here believe that our house is on fire. We agree with Greta, our house is on fire. So think of the metaphor this way. They're saying, there's the exit right there. You can get out alive there. And we're saying, hold on a second. The exit is over here. The exit is with methane, primarily produced by animal agriculture. We're trying to save you. Our house is on fire. You're going to the wrong exit. We're all going to die. Let's look at this other exit. Now, I just want to say that it's not just us saying this. We're not just talking off the top of our heads. Okay, in 2006, the uh, UN's, Food and Agriculture Organization published a report called Livestock's Long Shadow, which analyzed the environment and said that 
18% of greenhouse gas emissions are caused by animal agriculture. 18%. Okay. And they pointed out that it was more than all um, transportation combined, including planes, including cars and trucks and trains, all transportation combined. In 2009, World Bank economists uh, came out with some a report in World Watch Institute. These are renowned, credible economists that said 51% of global greenhouse gas emissions are, can be attributed to livestock production. And I'm holding the first couple of pages of the report right here. So we're not just talking as in a fantasy. These are scientific reports that have been saying this for years. And now there is a new report called by climate healers that says 87% of greenhouse gas emissions can be attributed to animal agriculture, the livestock industry, meat, dairy, eggs. So given that, to be called radical for trying to be, bring that into the conversation, it strikes me as ironic. It strikes me as the pot calling the kettle black. And I'm not saying that to criticize. I'm saying just guys, if, if I was in a burning house and someone said, hey, you know, we've only got a few minutes to figure out what to do. Consider this. Consider maybe the exits that way. You know what I would say? Absolutely. Give me the information. I want to know. I want to hear. I'll make a decision. But let's talk about it. Let's include that in the discussion. That's all we're saying. So I want to go to Donnie Moss. What are your thoughts on that now that I've set it up? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've been hearing in our world for years that animal agriculture is highly destructive to the planet. What's new is that it's, you know, it's responsible for 87% of emissions. I mean, that's really staggering. Uh, and what's also staggering is the extent to which people who are participating in these youth climate strikes, they just don't know. Uh, when Greta Thunberg was in New York for a big climate strike at the end of September, I, I, w I went around with my camera and I interviewed participants, both kids and adults, and I asked them what changes people could make in their personal lives to reduce their uh, greenhouse gas emissions, their carbon footprint. And almost nobody proactively said stop eating animals or even reduce eating animals. They said, you know, stop using single-use plastic, recycle, take, you know, take the subway instead of a car to school. And so, but then what I would say, but what about, what about uh, going vegetarian or vegan? Then they'd say, oh, yeah, 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 that too. It was like an afterthought. And they didn't, re even, even with that, they didn't realize what a big deal it is. Uh, but the next day, Jane, I went to the youth climate strike at the United Nations, and these were youth climate leaders from around the world. And when I asked the youth climate leaders the same question, they knew. And in response to my question, they said almost right away, animal agriculture, people should cut down on meat. And so I said to them, well, why aren't youth climate leaders around the world telling activists, telling their followers who are listening? Why aren't they telling them to stop eating meat? And that's where they just, you know, they said, we're focused on, we're focused on governments. We're focused on, on leaders. We're focused on corporations. They're not, they're, they're just not conveying this message. It's very frustrating and mysterious. Why do you think it is? Maybe it's just the inconvenient truth that Al Gore talked about. People. But he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't talk about it either. But I'm saying, you know, he coined that phrase 
which is really applicable here. It's an it, people don't look at the youth climate strike, with, which brought thousands upon thousands of people into the streets of New York. I was watching and documenting people standing online to buy a Nathan's hot dog and to buy ice cream. They are literally destroying the environment during a climate strike. And so why is so why are the leaders why are I think why are most of the people not doing anything? I think maybe they don't know about it in some cases and in some cases they don't realize the extent of it and in some cases they just don't want to make that sacrifice. With regard to the leaders they're just so singularly focused on not on what individuals can do, but what uh, the corporations and glo- you know, our leaders but, can but do. But you could focus know. on animal agriculture corporations. I mean, the animal agriculture industry, which is very connected to the pharmaceutical industry, those are industries too. If you, yeah. were, if you were fighting industries, you would certainly be able to point the finger at them, but the, they don't do that either. I want to also introduce right now... Um, this wonderful young lady, uh, we met because we went to a uh, the Vegan World 2026 conference in Arizona. You can come around here. We're also shooting a documentary on all of this. We've got the great um, Keegan, uh, who's behind the camera there, Keegan Peterson. Um, we met. We're in on Halloween. We were in uh, Arizona for a Vegan World 2026 conference. And uh, you, your costume was the truth. <laughs> and uh, you were holding up a sign that said, basically, animal agriculture is destroying the planet. And you won. And then everybody said, the truth always comes out in the end. So tell us what your focus is, Frankie. Uh, so right now, my friend Keegan and I live in our car. And we've been traveling the country as full-time activists. So we focus on animal rights. But we also focus on environmental activism. And the reason why we found it so urgent to live in our car and to travel the country and do this is because the realization that the earth or mother earth only has so much time left because of how badly we've been polluting her. And when we as millennials, I'm 21 and Keegan is 26. And when we talk to our peers about this issue, a lot of times they're not aware of the problem that the animal agriculture industry is causing for the environment. And a lot of people don't know of the correlation between deforestation, loss of native species, methane CO2 emissions, and the large correlation between how much food we feed the animals and world hunger. Uh, So we've been traveling around to bring awareness to people to talk about the environment and veganism. All right, let's go to Shannon in Florida. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, Shannon. So I totally agree with everything you're saying, and we've experienced the same frustrations as we've been traveling around trying to educate people. And a lot of the time we've been met with quite a bit of resistance. This happened to us in L.A. It happened to us partially in Orlando. Um, But the good news is we've also had a lot of success. And we've had um, a lot of people actually follow us back to vegan restaurants afterwards. But we've actually had to basically disrupt the climate marches with megaphones and signs and bring lots of our own animal rights community to fight for this cause. Um, Obviously, it's all connected, but it is really frustrating. Yeah. And so, you know, what we want to say is we're not bringing this up to be annoying. Frankly, I don't get a commission for every person who goes plant-based. I don't get, in fact, this whole thing for me has been a giant money pit for years, which is fine. Because money won't count if we 
have no place to spend it because life has become uninhabitable on the planet. So we are really saying, look, everybody's focused on fossil fuels. The sign up at the climate strike here in LA most recently, this past Friday, was it? Yeah. Uh, was fossil fuels, fossil fuels, fossil fuels. I want to give some props though. I will, because again, we don't want to be adversarial. We are trying to get the message out. I mean, frankly, I started super friendly, bringing vegan food, offering speakers, and I felt that the message wasn't getting across, that there was really no um, curiosity about the message, no questions, no nothing. It felt very much like I was talking to a wall. So did I get um, passionate and aggro? Yes. But in my own defense, may I point out that uh, <laughs> Greta Thunberg's speech to the world leaders at the United Nations was described as a scathing, passionate, angry speech. So I don't think we should engage in selective indignation and say only certain people have a right to be passionate and angry and others don't. And that um, it's perfectly fine to be radical when you're talking your agenda. But if somebody has a slightly nuanced agenda that suddenly then we're radicals, we're out of control, we're uh, somehow, you know, that's what the establishment does to you guys. You're, you're kind of doing, uh, you know, those that same message is conveyed on, um, uh, by climate change deniers on the environmentalists. Let's go back to uh, the callers. Rebecca Calabasas, your question or thought, Rebecca. Hi, it's Rebecca Amos. I'm one of the founders of Muse School. Hey, how are you? And I had, uh, hi there, I'm good. I had Lisa Carlin was out at the school on uh, Saturday, and she came to our Seed to Table dinner and just encouraged me to call in this morning um, and just share a little bit about what we do at Muse. Um, you know, we start at age two, and we are a completely plant-based school. So we're starting to teach kids at the age of two um, about their impact on the climate and how that um, is directly related to animal agriculture. Absolutely. And again, I don't want to be adversarial. I want to say, I want to give props, credit where credit's due. I also want to take responsibility for my own behavior. I'm not perfect. I get upset when I think we're trying to get people out of a burning building. There's one way that I didn't, I didn't say this is the way scientists said this is the way. And, uh, that at least consider that this might be a possibility. Now, um, I want to give props out to the climate strike event on Friday. There were two vegan food trucks, okay? Beyond Meat had a vegan food truck. Also, there was one of the young speakers who said she did address the animal agriculture industry. It was two sentences, but progress, not perfection. Thank you. To that young lady, I was looking to see her name, but the sun was so bright, I couldn't see it. But there was one young lady who did speak up and say, hey, animal agriculture. So, you know, Rebecca, I applaud you for what you're doing at your school because it's so important, not just to protest something, but to offer an alternative. Isn't that what Buckminster Fuller said? The way you create progress is not by just protesting the old, but creating the new, and that's what you're doing. Right, right. And I think that's important. And we're just, we're not saying you have to be 100% vegan. We're saying when you come to school, we're an environmental school. And if you eat one plant-based meal a day for the planet, you're making a huge impact, like a huge impact, one person. 
And so I think that if we can do baby steps, you know, we can do progress, not perfection. If we can do attraction rather than promotion, I think we are doing a good job by not standing on our soapbox, but by saying, hey, it works. You know, just yes. do it, do it, do it incrementally, do it progressively. It's not, not, it's not going to, you can have your bacon in the evening or in the morning. You can have your yeah. hamburgers in the morning or the evening, but uh, you're just going to have lunch at music school every yeah. day and, and you're contributing. Sure. And, and, you know, we, as, as Alicia Silverstone says, every meal that you eat plant-based is a victory for the planet. But yay, you know, good for her. Yes. Our perspective is that really we're running out of time. According to Dr. Silas Rao, who was the person who put together the, the PhD from Stanford who worked with Al Gore and who split with Al Gore because Al Gore does not openly talk about animal agriculture's impact on the climate, even though he's purportedly vegan and his trainings are vegan, according to published reports. Um, and Dr. Rao says that we have to transition to an entirely plant-based economy because we're running out of time. And the going plant-based is the fastest way to turn the uh, climate around. If we Absolutely. all, let's just, let's just play, you know, fantasy for a second. If we all went plant-based tomorrow, then what could happen is we could take all the, the land that we current, currently use for cattle grazing, which is, you know, at least a third of the earth's usable land, and we could restore that to forests. Those forests would absorb carbon, and we could immediately begin absorbing that carbon that's trapped in the atmosphere and bring the temperatures down to where it was 100 or 200 years ago, and we could manage it. The solutions being proposed by uh, those who are just focused on fossil fuels are complex solutions that require consensus that require building of new infrastructures that require the collaboration of governments and private industry. That's not fast. And we, according to Dr. Rao, who has just issued this white paper that I urge everyone to, to read, um, it's, yes. it's on uh, climatehealers.org. It has citations and he's willing to debate anybody. We only have seven years left. That's why we're saying, Go plant-based. And obviously, with no need to eat animals for sustenance, we know that heart disease and cancer are the leading killers here in the United States. Um, one out of every four people approximately dies of heart disease that is connected to cholesterol. Cholesterol exists in animal products, does not exist in, for example, vegan products that not only is it not uh, harmful to go plant-based, but it's much better for you. It's better for you. It's better for the animals. It's better for the planet. And as Gene Bauer of Farm Sanctuary says, if we can go through life causing less suffering, why wouldn't we? So that's our perspective. Right. But I pre Rebecca, I appreciate your perspective. I admire everything that you do. I love your school. One day I'll visit it. Um, and, please, uh, please. Yes, I would love to. And, and thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great day, and thanks for all the work you're doing. I really appreciate your, your verve and your zest, and I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Have a great day. So okay, we're going to bye. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. We're going to take a little break here on Voice America Radio, but we're staying live on Facebook, and we're going to bring in Lisa Carlin, who is a Food for Life instructor with Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So, uh, yeah, let's take a quick break on Voice America, and we will be back uh, but we're staying live on Facebook. So jump out of the chair for a second. Be sure.
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we got callers lining up today. Uh, Doug in California, quick question or thought, Doug? Hi. First of all, I just want to say thanks for, for doing this awesome show. And... Uh, I'm wanting to uh, just encourage people to check out uh, nutritionfacts.org to really get that confidence that we can survive without eating animals because I think that's what keeps most people back. And I'm wondering, uh, do you have any other suggestions on places for people to go to really get the confidence to to uh, encourage people to eat only plants. And the final comment I'll say is I'm really sh- shying away from the plant-based label as uh, a way of describing what we're eating because I have friends who still eat animals. They say I am plant-based. I eat mostly plants and still eat occasional animals. So wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, Donnie Moss, you want to take it? Uh, yeah. First of all, with regard to uh, resources, I mean, it, just Google vegetarian or vegan starter kit, and there's so many resources on resources online. I often refer people to Veganuary, but it's it's. I think for a lot of people, they it's not that they're afraid that they won't be able to survive on a plant based diet. It's that they feel that they'll be making a sacrifice, and that that could very well be, have been true 10, 15 years ago or longer. But today, we have everything that a uh, uh, you know, an animal consumer eats. We just have a plant-based alternative that's that's really just as good, if not better, but without harming the planet, without harming our health. It's really times have changed. We can sit down now and have scrambled eggs with melted cheese and chicken parmesan, and it's all plant-based. So it's for those who are, who are listening who think that this is some sort of sacrifice, it's really not. 
But, you know, even in the days when it was a sacrifice, we did this. We, we made the switch to a plant-based diet because we knew it was the right thing to do for the planet and, and for the animals. But, but as I said, it's not a sacrifice anymore. And uh, as for your friend, yeah, I mean, he, maybe he can say he's mostly plant-based, uh, but he's not plant-based. Really, the word vegan uh, doesn't apply to, to him if he's still wearing animals or being entertained by them or other things. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, to use other social justice movements. And I know sometimes people get offended. I don't want to offend anybody because, you know, um, as a woman, as a Latina, I try to be very sensitive, but people have made the connection to other social justice movements and said, you know, incremental change. Women didn't want to just vote in local elections. They wanted to vote. They wanted universal suffrage. People who were enslaved didn't want Wednesdays and Fridays off. They wanted freedom. They wanted equality. So, you know, half measures can avail us nothing. And we, we are really at the turning point now. We, we have to really um, start thinking about what we want. And if we want our planet to survive for our children and our grandchildren. I don't have any children except for my four-legged companions. When I go, I go. But people who have children and grandchildren, my God, um, and Greta Thunberg has made this point. Louis, Anaheim, California, your question or thought? Hey, Jane. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, my question is regarding what happened with your Facebook video. You confronted Jane Fonda, and it was the greatest video ever. I wanted to download it. I should have downloaded it, but now it's gone. Why did they take that video away? I took it down because I'm doing a documentary about all of this. And um, it turned out that there was possibly an opportunity to have a speaker, but things got confused, miscommunication, whatever. So I was very uh -huh. upset that day. Um, yeah, Jane Fonda, um, what basically what happened was, we're at, this is my perspective. Anybody else, I invite everybody. I've been having a standing invitation through intermediaries to all the climate strike people to sit down, have dinner, watch my documentary, uh, Countdown to Year Zero, which is on Amazon Prime, which explains this um, uh, concern about methane, primarily from animal agriculture, being the leading cause and why it's literally potentially doomsday to ignore that aspect. Um, again, I, I've reached out quite a bit. So that day... Uh, in late September, when person after person got up and talked about the Amazon on fire, but didn't say the Amazon is on fire because cattle ranchers are burning it down to make room for cattle grazing, because farmers are burning down forests and wiping out homes for the native uh, animals there and, and accelerating mass extinction in order to grow crops to feed farm animals. We're 7.7 .7 billion humans. There are 70 billion land animals, cows, chickens, turkeys, goats, lambs that we kill every year who eat a lot more food than we do. 70% or more of all soy is fed to farm animals. Most of the antibiotics are fed to farm animals. So when I saw this sort of ex, this, 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 hour after hour, speaker after speaker, um, I was upset. I was upset because, let me, let me just say this, if we get this wrong, everything that we have on this planet could go. This is not just some arbitrary, capricious game that we're playing here. This is the difference between 
life, human life, animal life, surviving on our planet or not, if it becomes too hot for people to live, and in India, it is hitting those temperatures as we speak, there, and, and if the waters gets wiped out, there's extreme drought, which is connected to it. In India, it's happening now, and it's primarily affecting third world, people of color, indigenous people. The, the immigration crisis that we have, not to talk politics, is a climate change crisis. People who are subsistence farmers for eons can no longer till their fields because the temperature is, the climate is not temperate anymore there. So we are going to hit an ecological apocalypse. And if Dr. Rao and the uh, World Watch Institute reports are correct, we're going in the wrong direction. We're not looking at methane, which is primarily from animal agriculture, which these reports from esteemed scientists are saying is the leading cause, whether it's 18%, 51%, or now 87%. It's something that needs to be included and discussed. And to avoid it and to shut out that discussion to me is irresponsible. And, it, and it's at our peril, at everyone's peril. When you take the mantle of saying, I'm the, the climate leader, then that comes res with responsibility. Great power is great responsibility. So it's incumbent upon people who say we are the climate movement to talk about the climate movement in all its aspects and not say we're just going to talk about one thing because we don't want to look at this because it's really inconvenient for us. So what happened was I was upset and um, then I found out, well, there was confusion because there was an opportunity to possibly have a speaker, but it didn't happen. And then they wanted a young speaker reportedly. And then, you know, so I said, well, this is a mishmash. I'm going to do a whole documentary on this. Let me put it down. But, but you got her to speak up. That was great. You got her to actually mention what you were trying to get across. And that was duty. And I thank you for that because are we extremists for really getting to the point? Are we really crazy because we care more about what's happening to the animals in our world? It's insane. Yeah. And, and I will say that because Jane Fonda was speaking and then she said, you know, we've got to fight. I'm not quoting directly, but fossil fuels and the oil companies. And then she paused and I said, and animal agriculture. And she said, you be quiet. That is a direct quote. And then she said, sure, we need to stop eating meat and, and using plastic words to that effect. But it's more than that. So would she have said, yes, we need to stop eating meat if I hadn't yelled? So we're put in a situation sometimes where it's like, be oh so very polite, but then it doesn't get discussed. Then we get louder and louder. And then we're called extremists and um, that we're, we're um, aggravating people and maybe jostling people. It's like, we're just trying to get the truth out. Like I said, Lisa, we don't get a commission. We're not getting a commission here. We're doing this to, tr to try to save the world. And all we're saying is, look at this evidence. Climate strike leaders, go to climatehealers.org um, and look at the white paper. Read uh, the World Watch Institute's report from 2009, published by World Bank Environmental Advisors that said 51% of greenhouse gas emissions are attributable to the livestock industry. Go ahead. Right. So what I wanted to say is it, with the youth climate strike, what I would have liked to see is a more um, ex inclusive 
uh, strategy to address climate change. And what I think is really essential for all of us is to talk about those of us who are addressing the public, to talk about the things that we can do. What can you do? Everybody who's in this audience today listening to us, specifically, what can you do? Because if we hear fossil fuels and now we hear animal agriculture, uh, our health is a part of it as well. But in terms of, uh, in terms of Trying to make a change, they all help. So if people focus on their health, that's a good way to uh, to not create uh, uh, to have a, a lower carbon footprint. But I want to what I want to see is I want to see a list of the ten things that an individual can do to reduce their carbon footprint. Because if we do that, that's the that's the metaphor to. Um, to reduce, if each and every one of us do, does that, that that would be the way that we can reduce greenhouse gas now, emissions. Now, I, I just want to say, I invite everybody from the climate strike movement on. I've had a standing invitation. I hope it's gotten through to have dinner. I even picked a vegan restaurant, uh, Sugar Taco on Melrose. Yeah. I, I said Jane Unchained would invite them and pay for their dinner and talk to them and we, uh, we could do a screening of Countdown to Year Zero or Cowspiracy mm-hmm. or Dominion or, 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 or there's a million films. Donnie, weigh in on all of this. You know, one, I've been mesmerized by Greta Thunberg, Thunberg as the whole, she has a platform like nobody else. I, Ellen DeGeneres had her on her show a couple of days ago and Ellen said, I've been trying to get you on my show for a couple of months. And so here we have this international sort of mega celebrity in the climate movement. And she has a platform where millions upon millions of people are listening to her. So I don't understand why she stopped talking about the importance of making a switch to a plant-based diet. And if anybody has any insight onto this, it would be helpful. Before she was this megastar, she used to talk about it. But it feels like she's been co-opted because now... She will only mention it if sort of asked very specifically, but why isn't she using her platform to say, hey, there's one thing that everyone can do right now, three times a day, to dramatically reduce your own individual carbon footprint, and that is to make the switch to a plant-based diet. Why isn't she doing that? Why, you know, why is the youth climate movement only pointing a finger at leaders and not saying there are things that we could do ourselves as individuals? It, it, I'm so confused by it all. And, and I want to say one other thing. Um, and uh, again, we got uh, the amazing Keegan Peterson here who's shooting uh, a documentary. We're trying to, you know, I thought this is too complicated. One of the issues is that teenagers, you know, look, I was a teenager I, uh, uh, and I love teenagers. But when you say, well, a teenager should speak about this, these are these are scientists. This is very complex stuff. And uh, may I note that Jane Fonda is a lot of things, but a teenager, she ain't. Correct. <laughs> She's in her 80s. Okay. So um, uh, your, your point is very well taken. We need to have people with the scientific background, the legitimate, credible scientific background in evaluating climate science in order to make, to read this information, to determine if it's credible and to get the message out to the public. Yes. And, um, you know, I want to see. I'm, I'm going to take a. I'm going to take a risk here to see if I can show something. I'm a little afraid. No, I'm. I'm trying to, but I'm afraid to disconnect. I'm a little scared. If I go to, I've been practicing. Can I do it? Let's see. Here we go. Okay, let's try to share this and see if it comes through. All right, I'm taking a big risk. Okay, did it come up? Let me go to my Facebook. Um, but basically, this is from the um, white paper, and uh, it, it shows the use of land. 
And if you look at it, you can see what's using land. Look at, look at what's, what's the primary land use, farm animal grazing. And so what um, Dr. Rao has done is looked at the, um, the problems with uh, not calculating animal agriculture's impact or minimizing that. So here, it came up. Yay. Look at it. Miscalculations of the IPCC, International Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, using total CO2 emissions instead of airborne components. Now, what that means basically is CO2 goes up in the atmosphere, but not all of it stays. Some of it goes to the ground. So it depends on how you calculate it. CO2 is the fossil fuel aspect. If you overemphasize it by counting too much CO2, you're really putting your thumb on the scale. Then the average methane impact over 100 years, okay? So methane is primarily produced by animal agriculture. I'm simplifying here, and I'm not a scientist. This is what I learned after two days of being at a conference about this white paper. So methane deteriorates after a few years, seven to 10 years, whatever. But the IPCC calculates it over 100 years. So what we said is that's like eating a cake in one day and calculating its impact on your body over a year. It dilutes methane's impact, which is why Dr. Rao says that methane, which is animal agriculture, is being underemphasized and fossil fuels are being overemphasized. And the third one is not considering opportunity cost of land use for animal agriculture. Now, when you see here that 37%, okay, is um, 37% is farm animal grazing. I wish I could move that. It, somehow it's, yeah, 37% is farm animal grazing. And so if none of that land then, if it's farm animal grazing is absorbing the amount of carbon because trees absorb carbon, it's not absorbing the carbon. It could absorb if it were forest. So those forests have been destroyed to create grazing land for cattle, for people who eat meat, okay, and dairy. And so none of that land, that 37% of the Earth's surface, is absorbing carbon the way it could be. And that's called a lost or an opportunity cost. So not considering the opportunity cost of land use for animal agriculture. So... Um, and then the final one is using raw data from the livestock industry through the UNFAO. Uh, so that's the uh, farm agriculture organization that is stocked with a lot of people from the agriculture industry. So for all those reasons, um, the uh, World Bank economists who published their report in the World Watch Institute and now this new white paper are saying animal agriculture's impact on climate destruction is being wildly underestimated and to our own peril, to our own peril. So, you know, uh, Dr. Rao has offered to debate this. Um, and uh, I think that it would be great if, if there was a debate. And if you don't want me to moderate, I don't have to moderate. Frankly, I I've worked for 40 years in the news media. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I've worked at a lot of the major corporations. I'd like to be sitting on the beach reading a trashy novel and eating chocolate bonbons right now. Okay. I've worked my, you know what off all my life. So I'm doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. So would you like to weigh in? I'd like to weigh in on basic biology. When you look at photosynthesis, photo animal, uh, uh, plants consume 
um, uh, uh, carbon dioxide and they give off oxygen. So if I we don't want to get too, no, but I don't, don't want to get too technical we're because t- wait a second, yeah. we could be, you know, that's, I don't want, if, yeah. if we make one tiny error, that's why I said, okay. this was my understanding, okay. but, but well, I want to get to the whole point of like our attempt to get this information out there. You know, the New York times and other major media are quoting the 14.5%. It was 18%, and then they even reduced it less to 14.5%. Donnie, what is the danger of that to all of us, to children who are infants today? Well, look, I mean, even when people have kids right now, I, I have to, you know, I sort of wonder, aren't you concerned about the planet that they're going to grow up in or the, the fact that the planet is dying? Uh yeah, I uh, Jane, I think um, I think that because the mainstream media, to, to, to circle back to something you just said, isn't really doing justice to this issue, and the youth climate strike and the mainstream climate movements aren't doing justice to this issue, we have to, and until they do, and that's why you created Jane Unchained, right, to do to an end run around the mainstream media. They weren't doing this job, the job, and that's why you're here doing what you're doing, and, and so- that's why you're doing their turn net. And that's why I went to the youth climate strike and the, and, the, and the youth climate summit at the United Nations. And I'm doing these interviews and I'm trying to expose the fact that this is being omitted. This, this thing that could save the planet, this making the transition to, to a plant-based lifestyle, uh, we have to do it if we want to save the planet. And, 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 and until the power of the establishment takes us on, I, I, we have to. Yeah. And so a, a couple of other things, you know, do I do all this perfectly? No. Do I look and say, oh, God, I could, I, because uh, people, listen, uh, people have always said I'm too loud. I'm at a restaurant. People come up to me and say, you know, the maitre d', madam, can you lower your voice? Um, so I'm a loud person. I get that. And uh, it's, the issue is um, that somehow this is a radical extremist thing. Well, A, look, Jane Fonda has been getting arrested over and over and over again since she told me, you be quiet. And I love Jane Fonda. I'm not against Jane Fonda. But the point is, would Jane Fonda, as the caller said, have mentioned, yes, we need to stop eating meat? No, I don't believe she would have unless I had said, and animal agriculture. Jane Fonda, you know, is uh, historically could go down as one of the most radical celebrities of the 20th century. In the 1970s, she was called Hanoi Jane for going to North Korea during the Vietnam War, and um, it was a massive controversy, okay? So let's not pretend that people who are involved in everything here aren't controversial, you know? And she apologized um, for that. And so we're all doing the best we can. And I admire Jane Fonda, but Jane Fonda is getting arrested. People at the climate strike, you know, kids, whatever, they're, they're, they're angry. They're using profanity. I have no judgment on that. But please, we need to have our peace. We need to say our peace. Now, um, why do we need to say that? Not because we want to inject ourselves, but because this is the dialogue that the world is happening. The eyes of the world are on Greta Thunberg. Um, I want to say this, and I'd like to bring you back, if I may. Bring, your, bring, your, bring the little doggy. Um, Greta Thunberg was on the Ellen show. Okay. And on the Ellen show, Ellen asked her, well, she, Greta Thunberg is brilliant. And she said, um, I'm doing this because, uh, I need to be able to look myself in the eye. 
And then Ellen said, well, what, what would you tell other people to do so they could look themselves in the eye? What have you been doing to look yourself in the eye? She said, well, I don't fly on airplanes anymore. I've gone vegan. And I think she made a couple of other comments. And I was like, wow. stuff. She's what? not, he's not consuming stuff anymore. Oh yes. She wrote, and she wrote a book about this. Yes. And she's not consuming stuff, which, you know, I looked at that and I said, wow, you know, I could consume less stuff. And it really had an impact on me. I was thrilled that she said, I've gone vegan. What, what are your comments on, on Greta talking about on Ellen? She said, I'm vegan. But uh, again, when she gave a speech, she did not mention a word about animal agriculture, but on Ellen, she did say I'm vegan. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on everything we've been talking about? Because you're you just turned twenty one. We just celebrated your twenty first birthday, and look who we have here. Does Little this make us not serious people? No, because all Americans mostly love their dogs and cats, and I don't think that because we also love cows, pig, chickens, turkeys, goats, and lambs, that somehow makes us less serious people, or that our ideas don't count, or our ideas are somehow flawed or. Uh, unserious. But go ahead. What are your thoughts on you've been listening? So I think it's incredible that she did bring up animal agriculture even briefly while she was on the Ellen show. Um, I personally would have loved to hear her talk about it at the climate strike. And I'm hoping that perhaps seeing how many vegans were at the climate strike and how many people are trying to bring that message across showed other people how serious we are that we're doing this because we want to help save the planet. We're not just trying to push a meaningless agenda on people. So when I was talking to people at the climate strike, my main thing was that when you fight big oil and when you fight the fossil fuel industry, it's something that's going to take a long time. And besides for small choices, it's primarily out of our hands and out of our control. But being vegan and not eating animals is something that you can get instant results from. And it's something that everybody can do. So we can be vegan while fighting big oil. But we, if we only choose to do one, then we're greatly lessening, lessening our impact. So I was trying to say to people that we can be vegan and still do all of the things that they're currently doing with the fossil fuel industry, but that there's no need to not be vegan while doing that. Um, now, so, you were up at the front of the stage, and while yeah. Greta was talking, you were saying something about, tell them why you're vegan, or, or just tell me that. Uh, so Greta had her given her speech, and she didn't at all touch on the topic of the animal agriculture industry. So when she stopped talking, I continuously was screaming, please address animal agriculture. Greta, tell us why you're vegan. You're vegan for a reason. She's a very intelligent young woman. I don't think that she would do anything without a purpose. So I want her to share not only that she's vegan, but why is she vegan? What pushed her to make that decision? And so I was really trying to get that point across. I was told by several people, uh, wasn't the place to talk about it. My opinion wasn't wanted. I had people screaming over me so that I wasn't heard. Uh, but I think that Greta must have heard me because she went on Ellen and talked about it the next day. So. <laughs> well, let's say from your mouth to God's ear, you never know. You know, um, I, I know you said she made eye contact with you. Yeah. She did make eye contact with you. So, you know, we do all this again. Is it something, would you rather be, you know, Sunning yourself on the beach or relaxing in a perfect world, of course, right? Of course, it's beautiful yeah. here. I yeah. think it's really unfair when people say that vegans are being extreme when we push this, push this message because, one, nothing is more extreme than killing an innocent animal who doesn't want to die just to eat their flesh. But also when there's science and there's hard proof that some of the em environmental crisis that we're facing is due to the animal agriculture industry, 
then I'll say it's pretty extreme to completely ignore those numbers and continue doing what you know is harming our planet. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Is it extreme not to discuss this? Go ahead. Donnie. Oh, yeah. I, I would just like to add, you know, both of you gave examples of how you inserted yourselves. We have to be disruptive to get this on the agenda because we can see that being silent isn't going to get it on the agenda at all. And one thing that I've learned from, you know, the animal rights group, Direct Action Everywhere, is that change happens in the discomfort zone. All of us have to step out of our comfort zone and, and ensure that we're getting this message out into the mainstream climate movement and into the youth climate movement. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it. Um, you want to talk about disruption. I mean, um, some of the climate groups and I applaud them. I'm like, way to go, go. They've shut down airports and big city centers. Right. I mean, uh, I see it happening all the time and, and that's a good thing, but that's disruptive. So, you know, selective indignation about being loud is something I think that it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to look at. So one person says I'm being loud, but I'm, I'm entitled to be loud. I'm entitled to be disruptive. My group's entitled to be disruptive. I'm entitled to get arrested, but you be quiet. And okay? it's, a lot of it is because of the, the mm, bacon, you know, people want their bacon. I mean, that, I think a lot of it comes down to that. And, and as I said earlier, it's just so wild to me because there are so many substitutes now. We can still eat our bacon. It just doesn't have to come from a pig. Well, you know, I, I always use the addiction metaphor. I'm 24 years sober. And when I was in my disease, uh, uh, if somebody told me, you know, Jane, uh, you know, I didn't even like people who didn't drink. <laughs> if they came to my house for a party and they didn't want to drink, and they just said, I'll have water or soda. I kind of I looked at them funny. Like, what's wrong with you? Because we don't want to have that reflected back at us. So it was when I hit bottom and had a moment of clarity. Um, luckily, I was very, I was very fortunate. I never got a DUI. You know, I never lost the house, the car, the or the whatever. But um, what I'm saying is when I had a moment of clarity, I was able to see myself objectively. And so now for in April, it'll be a quarter of a century that I've been uh, sober. And, you know, of course, I thought at first it would be a sacrifice and, oh, I'm never going to karaoke again. Well, actually, I, I didn't karaoke too much again, uh, but I'm never going to enjoy the sunset at the beach. No, I enjoy everything a lot more. And so I think that that's an analogy. It's a good, it's very similar. People are afraid and people are conditioned. They're conditioned animals. So I will say that the studies show that if you um, excuse me, if you, uh, you know, approach people in a way that they become defensive, that then they're not really hearing you. And there's something that happens in the back of their brain. And then they just resist your message. And instead of listening to what you're saying, they're just thinking of what they can say in return. Um, so it's a dilemma. We want to be polite all the time, but sometimes being oh so very polite doesn't work. And I'm sure you've seen that in, um, other movements, uh, you know, whether it's civil rights or women's rights uh, or gay rights. As a lesbian, you know, look at the look at look at the gay rights movement. That, that wasn't an oh so very polite. Oh please, can I, can we have equality and the right to marry? No, it was a very loud movement. Just as the climate strike movement is a loud movement. So, um, you know, freedom of expression is freedom of expression, and we're all engaged in the process. So. 
uh, I want to dialogue with, I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to have this, get me out of it. I'm not a scientist. I don't want nothing to do with this. Get the scientists there to talk to the Jane Fondas and the other leaders of this movement about, let them do a pitch meeting. Let these scientists who, who say that, guys, you're not looking at this one aspect here that's, that, that major scientists have said is the leading cause. Okay, you're not looking at it. I covered uh, criminal trials for years, okay? I've seen some of the best attorneys in the courtroom when I was a reporter. And to me, the analogy is it's like being in a courtroom and they're putting the getaway driver on trial for the murder of our planet and the murderer of our planet is sitting in the gallery and you jump up and say, wait, wait, he did it, not this one. And they're like, you're ordering the court. Boom, boom, boom. So that's my take. That's my, what, how would you wrap it up, Donnie? I, I, would, I would give like to give a shout out to all of the, the companies who are stepping forward and, and making it easier for people to, to make this switch, right? I mean, who thought that uh, a, a year or two ago that fast food restaurants all around the country would be selling plant-based sausages and plant-based burgers? We are, it is easier than ever for people to make this switch for the planet, for their health, and for the animals. Okay, and I want to give Lisa Carlin, who came all the way over here, a final thought. Yeah, final thoughts. Well, I think we need to think about a 10-step program of what we can do to help the planet. So number one would be get eliminate dairy. So if you're not, if you're not a, a vegan or living a plant-based lifestyle, the first thing to do is to get rid of dairy. Find the alternatives. There's plenty of alternatives that are now available in conventional stores. Number two, uh, then begin to get rid of the meat from your diet. You can start with red meat and then you move to the white meat and then the meat is gone. Um, when you get rid of dairy, in that step number one, you want to get rid of the cheese as well. There's a wonderful book written by uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, who is the president of Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, called The Cheese Trap. Um, number three, I think we need to uh, look at what we do in terms of our consumption. Uh, that would mean purchasing things in bulk. Uh, number four, we want to look at uh, our transportation. And then I think what's important is we need to let our elected uh representatives know uh, that, that uh, we want them to f we want them to focus on um, on, ma on making policy that is going to be helpful for the environment all right and the final thing I want to say is that at the very heart of it are sentient beings who are being tortured and institutionalized torture called factory farming concentrated animal feeding operations slaughterhouses and they count too you know their suffering counts yes um, you wouldn't want to hurt this little guy, little Rico or Max over there. So um, if it's not necessary, if you can go through life causing less suffering to these animals, why wouldn't you? And why? And why is bringing that up uh, verboten? I don't think it should be. I think it's totally part of the equation. We don't want uh, the million species that are threatened with extinction right now to go extinct. And we're talking about, you know, uh, orangutans and rhinos and giraffes. Uh, but we also don't need to um, cause harm to these cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, goats, and lambs. Okay, so you've heard our explanation of everything. We like to dialogue with everybody from all the climate movements. And um, if they don't want to dialogue, that's fine. Then talk to the scientists. We're just begging, begging nicely, begging 
humbly begging politely right here. We don't want to yell. We don't want to march. We don't want to hold up signs. We do it because we feel like the future of our planet is at stake. And we want, we want life to survive on this planet. And if we're, if we're barking up the wrong tree, we're going to be in big trouble. So the clock is ticking. Thank you for listening. Please share this video. Uh, anybody who wants to comment on this uh, from any organization is involved on is invited on Jane Unchained anytime. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.